Welcome to the Faith Debate. Thanks so much for spending part of your Sunday morning with us. I'm Troy Skinner, and the three guys joining me are uh, Imran Raz Razvi, Daniel Razvi, and David Forsey. We are three uh, house churches represented here by four pastors. You can connect with uh, what we're all about. Uh, the easiest way is to go to householdoffaithinchrist.com. That's the name of my church, and we happen to have a website. These other guys, they're like in the Stone Age or something. They don't have websites. But uh, you can see uh, pictures of a couple of the guys that, that are up there. One of them's kind of shy, so I don't have his picture up there. Uh, but anyway, householdoffaithinchrist.com. And we are uh, also, of course, the radio station's website is a way to connect with the show, wfmd.com. You can find the Faith to Faith page there. You can link to our podcasts and, you know, see, get a little teaser of shows that are coming up in the future and, and that sort of thing. So we've been spending the last couple of weeks talking about um, things that have been going on in the world of politics and worldview challenges over the last, let's say, half a dozen years or so. Um, if you missed those, you can go back. We talked about the rise of populism and what that means for the Western world. We, we talked about um, the MAGA movement. We talked about Q. That'll get your attention. Talked about that mostly last week. Uh, we began to talk a little bit about the, the, the voter fraud question and all of that. And, um, and then a distinction was made. Uh, David Forsey was making the distinction about, you know, we don't want to get hung up on, on, on politics and let that be a division within the body of Christ. The Christians shouldn't be divided. We can disagree, but there shouldn't be any sort of a wedge uh, among followers of Christ over mere political questions. And so uh, to me, an example of that would be uh, one Christian is a never-Trumper. And another Christian is, you know, uh, you know, uh, Trump has been hand selected by God, <laughs> and they're putting all of their, their. I know both of those people. I guess. They're throwing all of their uh, all of their chips in on a political candidate, and what that political candidate means. That is a challenge, but I think there is a difference, like the election fraud question, which played itself out on January sixth, for example, with a a, a rally uh, that was intended to defend. Uh, voter uh, voter integrity, election integrity, uh, that sort of thing, and then you know some people ended up going into the Capitol building, and it, it got a little bit weird. Uh, but those people are advocating for truth, and so Christians who are going to disagree over now they might end up coming out on a different side of what they think the truth is, and we can try to hash that out and figure it out. But if there are people who are going to deny the truth or say that there shouldn't be an advocacy for truth. People who went to D.C. on January 6th, for example, to stand in solidarity for the truth of election results, to be mocked and ridiculed and dismissed by other brothers and sisters in Christ, that's not a political uh, disagreement at that point. That's like a worldview question. I think that that is something that pastors should maybe stick their nose in and help to uh, clarify for people. And I cut off David last week, so I don't know if me resetting it gets you off on a different trajectory or if you remember what you wanted to talk about at the end of last week's show. Hmm. But you can you can say whatever you want right now. You can say blah, 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 if you want. <laughs> so uh, so I, I think when, uh, when, I, when I think of worldview, I'll, I'll define what I mean by worldview when I say it. Uh, I, I mean the lens through which you view everything. Uh, and so, you know, as as a, I, I, I think that a Christian's biblical worldview is is what they should have. They should look through everything, uh, through through the lens of Scripture. What does Scripture have to say about it? What does it tell us about God? What does it tell us about people? Um, 
and uh, what does it say is is true and right and good, and what does it say is is bad and wicked and evil. Um, so that you know that's what I mean by a worldview. That's what I think everyone's worldview should be. Uh, you know, is that uh, is using scripture, using God's word, right as our as our lens. So God's view should be our view, and we know what God's view is through the grid of Scripture, right? That kind and, of thing. And I do think that that then informs, you know, downstream from that, you get well, you know, I, you know, every man is a a sinner. Every human being is a sinner. Therefore, uh, the there are needed restraints upon upon mankind. You know, whether it is. You know, within the the family structure that God has designed, or whether it is, um, you know, and and there are many different ways to, you know, to politically via, um, you know, a a government help to limit the damage that uh, individual sinners can do, or that you know, limit the damage of the ability of people to band together to do evil um, within a society. So. Uh, you know, so 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 I would say my politics are very informed by my worldview. Um, you know, I I think a political, I think a worldview that begins with, you know, saying everyone is basically good, and they just need a little bit of help in order to reach their maximum potential, which, you know, uninhibited would be great and wonderful, and uh, you know, and uh, and and kind and charitable to everyone around them. Um. So, so I, I don't know. That's that's, and that's my perspective I think on all that. Is the simplest way to think about the divide politically in the left and the right. The left has yeah. a tendency to be thinking in terms of people are basically good, right? And people on the right are like, yeah, but people are basically sinners. <laughs> you know, so we need to have some checks and balances on what people are going to do to one another, uh, and what they're going to do when they're in power in the government. And so this whole Shangri-La idea on the left seems completely impossible from a biblical worldview, absent Christ when he, he comes again. So, and and I think what happens then within the within the church is when there is uh, you know as as the political tensions sort of sort of ratchet up, you know, and and when there is uh, when there's some sort of crisis, those they tend to do that. You know, people get squeezed, and what they what they really think or feel sort of comes out, and uh, and then so I I think, you know, I think there's initial sort of uh, seeing one another, people within the church seeing each other and saying, oh, I I didn't think that, you know, that you were that far away from me, you know, uh, in your in your political or at least in what I perceive as your worldview, and uh, and rather than rather than trying to go back to things that are common, you know, or at least going back as far as you can until you find something in common and getting at the root, there's just a, there's a separation and a, um, uh, an isolation from each other where people stop, you know, they just, they just remove themselves from talking to each other. Yeah. And I believe a lot of that has to do with terms that are not defined well Mm -hmm. and, uh, what people assume for example, when Dan Bongino was running uh, for uh, office here in Maryland, he went to um, PG County, where you know it's a big Democrat stronghold. A lot of uh, fairly wealthy middle class black people that 
mostly will vote Democrat. And he'd knock on doors and uh, they say, well, are you Democrat or Republican? And he said, well, I'll let you guess. I'm, in, I'm for this, I'm for this, I'm for this. And after he goes and explains everything, he says, oh, you must be Democrat. He said, no, I'm a Republican. The Democrats believe this. So a lot of these people believed they were Democrats and believed in Christ-like principles because a lot of them were, were believers there. Yeah. But they did not know what Democrat or, or Republican was because the media has so bad labeled Republicans, how evil they are, how they're just for the big corporations and rich people and all that stuff, that, that people tend to believe that. And that creates that div- div- divisiveness. And they don't, people don't know really what the truth is until they actually identify. And that's what you were saying, David, you've got to actually talk and go back to the roots of what is it that you mean and what is it that you believe in. That's what's important, not the label you're given. Don't say I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat or I'm a conservative or I'm, or I'm a liberal. What does that mean to you? What does liberal mean to you? What does conservative mean to you? Because if you just listen to the media, you know, conservative is evil. Liberal is good. Democrat's good. Republican is evil. Why? What makes it evil? Which is really the opposite of what the Bible says. The Bible says that the, the principles that we're built on is that we as people are generally evil. We're not generally good. And only Christ can eliminate that sin, and those of you that are listening that are worried about the sin in your life, you know that uh, you can be assured, I'm telling you right now, the truth is there is a Savior that will eliminate every sin, no matter how bad you think you've done or how bad you've been, it can be eliminated completely, and you can be sin-free, guilt-free, and be held by your Savior. That's really where the truth is. You were looking, reaching for the microphone a second ago. Did you still have something you wanted to say, or did he end up saying what you were going to say? No, I was actually just trying to adjust the microphone so we oh, could capture okay. his great just, voice. Just, help, just helping Dad out a little bit. Well, talk about the terms, and the evil and the good. I, I brought up briefly like the, uh, the January 6th happening. Those who want to look at it in the most positive light, they call it a rally. Those who want to paint it with a dark brush, they call it an insurrection. Armed, armed, <laughs> an armed insurrection, which is interesting because um, the people with the arms killed an unarmed woman, and I don't. I, we, we no investigation really. We don't know anything about it. I right. think that I saw the video. I think the woman was murdered, uh, and yet, of course, that makes me a crazy lunatic. What do you mean? She was an insurrectionist. She wasn't murdered. She was like a five foot tall, <laughs> unarmed woman, Better and it. Veteran served the military, I think in the Air Force, if I'm not mistaken. Ashley Babbitt is who we're talking about. And Ashley Babbitt is in a defenseless position, crawling through a window in a crouch position. And the guy comes up in point-blank range, shoots her right in the throat. Uh, and yet, she's the bad one because she supports Trump. She's a Republican. And so there's just a presumption. It's, and it's not just there. I mean, we're... Uh, and, well, by the way, and the people being held in solitary confinement for months on end as a result of all of With that. No charges. But look at the, the assumptions. Get what was the name? Um, oh, darn it. Nate something and uh, Sandman. Something Sandman. Nicholas Sandman. Nicholas Sandman. And I think the, the, uh, the Native American guy was Nate something, if I'm not mistaken. I don't remember his name. They had that square. Remember this uh, on the uh, oh, on I know steps you're talking in the Capitol about, yeah. or something? Well, Salmon got a settlement from CNN and from the Washington Post. But the early narrative on that was because Nicholas Sammy is a high school student. He's wearing a red Make America Great Again hat, and everybody assumes he's the bad guy because he's— st- He must be racist. He, because he's, he's staring at a Native American, 
And the Native American must be the good guy because, well, he's a Native American. <laughs> and we come to find out when we get all the facts that the Native American guy is not a straight shooter. He's not necessarily a good guy. He's a bit of a scam artist, it seems, at some level. He was being belligerent and physically, you know, assaulting the, you know, provoking. provoking. And yeah, he was definitely he, – he entered the scene banging his drum and uh, – The media wants to face. cover – a certain narrative they want to tell a certain story so they will highlight aspects of the news that are sympathetic to their side of, of the story and and the worldview that they have um the idea that, of this communist utopia and it's become be. all about these fabricated labels i mean that's why it, it seems to me because they knew they weren't going to get uh a removal from office they knew trump was going to be acquitted and yet those who hated donald trump wanted to label him with, uh, he's been impeached twice, <laughs> right? They wanted to just paint him in a corner as just this horrible, like, world record-setting worst president ever because no other president has been impeached twice. And they, they rammed that stuff through uh, in order to attach that label to him, knowing that he was going to be acquitted on the other side. Yeah, basically, it's just saying that he was accused twice. Well, I've been accused of a lot of things many more times than that. So, maybe, oh, really? Tell me about <laughs> lots of things. But, but I think what, what we're talking about here is that the media had so far made it um, really evil to be part of the Republicans, part of uh, conservatism. And when Trump came to the scene, he was belligerent on the other side. He was acting like a lot of the Democrats um, and you know, not backing down. And so it made it okay to be a Republican again. And it made it okay to stand up for your rights. It made it okay to be uh, stand up for America again, where for a long time, since uh, Obama went around the world saying how bad and evil America was and how we have to apologize to the whole world about how evil we've been, um, well, when Trump came to the scene, a lot of the patriots came back out of the woodworks and said, oh, it's okay to be a patriot again. And I think that's really what, what uh, caused Trump to have such a big following because it was okay again. It, it was in vogue again. And yes, they were being attacked, but now we had a defender, uh, you know, the, a very popular man that's very charismatic, defending the popular um, nationalism and patriotism that, he, that uh, it was okay to do that again. And that's what the media hates because they don't want that strength. And I, I, I don't know why, but as I, uh, my mind wandered for a half a second while you're talking, I thought, you know, maybe I should clarify something in the spirit and the context of what we're talking about here because I don't want to give the wrong impression. I think it's clear I'm not a supporter of the Democratic National Committee, <laughs> but I'm also but I'm also not a supporter of the GOP. Right. The Republican Party does not stand for what I believe in. What's happened, in my view, is the Democrat Party has given themselves over to Marxism, and the Republican Party, in large measure, has overwhelmingly given themselves over to cronyism. So neither one of them, economically speaking, is advocating for. Uh, capitalism, which is what I would advocate for, because I think that's the that's what the Bible would prescribe. I'd be curious to see if you guys agree with me uh, on that question. Uh, and all of the issues in the platform that the Republicans run on, they don't actually govern on. Right. And it's so, one thing to, to say something, and it's another thing to act on it. And there really aren't very very many people in government, certainly not on the national level. There's some local politicians that still do have strong principles, but there's very few. And you got to give the, 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 the people on the left, you got to give them credit. They're honest. They tell you what they're going to do, and then they do it. Now, what they want to do is frightening to me, but they tell us, and then they do it. But the people on the right, 
They tell us what they're going to do. We're like, okay, that sounds pretty good to me. But then they don't do it because they're beholden to all these financial interests because they've, they've, they've given themselves over to cronyism. Do you guys agree, by the way, that you, do you think that uh, – is God a capitalist? That, that uh, capitalism best represents uh, the economic system that the Bible would prescribe? Uh, the man shall not work, he shall not eat. Uh, yeah, I don't, uh, I, I don't know how you say thou shalt not steal unless personal property is a, a thing. But I think yeah. you have to define capitalism because a lot of times people use – in fact – Capitalism, if I remember correctly, history is actually a term coined by Karl Marx. So, yeah, so it's probably the, the wrong. Yeah, you know, I like that you're changing that because, in fairness, all economic systems are capitalist systems because capital has to do with the things you use for productivity, right? So, and everybody has an economy, everybody has some sort of productivity, greater or lesser results. So, Marx had Marxism right. needs capital. Right, fascism needs capital. So maybe we should be talking about free, pers- personal responsibility and, and the free economics. market. I think a free a free market maybe is a better term. They, yeah, but but do we? I mean, I, uh, from our our perspective, sorry, I'll, I'll let you go just a second. Um, you know, like we we would say, given the opportunity, people will do bad things, and. It is right for there to be limits on on, okay. on the bad things a that people regulated can do. <laughs> free market. How about that? Okay, a regulated but I've free heard on, given the opportunity only rich people will do bad things. Poor people will never do bad things. That's what certainly what some uh, yeah. media says. No, this is good. So I'm going to actually be changing my language. I don't. I'm going to try to train myself up not to use the word capitalism anymore, but to talk right. about a regulated free market. I think that that, <laughs> that better think, represents what I'm trying to advocate I, for. I, 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 I actually think think the Bible would call for much more of a focus on family economics, the idea that um, money or income that's produced by one member of the family is for the whole family. And I think family and tribe has a has a group economy and 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 I think um, in some ways the Amish actually have a very good system in this in this way is that the family you know, has this pot of money, and when the kids get married, then the family all pitches in and builds them a house, and See, then they, those kids contribute back to the family, and that's actually the, the the way in the Middle East a lot of things are done. It's all about the family. We even have to define that term now, though, and clarify what we mean, because I don't know if you've heard this phrase, but it's become popular on the on the left, that the state is the family and the family is the state. <laughs> have you heard that phrase? No. No, but I'm... I believe they say so that. So they would do a pre- so you could say it's all about the family and all the right. money belongs to the family and they'll say yes, exactly. Gotcha. Gotcha. And the state is the family. Right. <laughs> so when I say family, I mean, you know, a, f- a father, a mother, their children biologically as, connected. Right. And as their children grow up as the sons get married, they they or adopted children, in. Right. And 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 then the male children would still be part of that family with the, you know, um their spouses their wives and then their children and it is a clan or a tribe more so than so so if you think tribe that that kind of gives you in your puts in your head a picture probably of what i'm talking about is that there and eventually the tribe gets big enough that there are more individual economies that are not like they're not all one everybody doesn't have everything in common and i and i don't mean that 
the father, the patriarch, has all of the money and all the resources and makes all the decisions for everything. I just mean that the family pitches in and helps each other for whatever they need, and they view the productivity of the whole family as supporting the clan, not, oh, I'm doing my own thing, I'm building my own company over here, and I'm leaving my family out of it, and, you know, it's it's all one. I think that's more of a biblical model than even the so-called free market or capitalism that we talk about here, which is all about the individual. And I think that is actually anti-biblical in some ways, that it's all about me instead of uh, you know, the respect for authority. I don't know that ha- that automatically has to be all about the in- individual. I think families can be in a regulated free market, can be working towards uh, expanding their wealth and providing better for one another inside of their their family unit and that sort of thing. And was you know. was Israel's uh, was Israel's a regulated free market? Well, God said when you when you ask for a king, he's going to exact tolls and tribute on you and tax you heavily. I get, yeah, I mean, prior to that. <laughs> so, Imran, you talked about personal responsibility. Um, and, Daniel, you're talking about taking responsibility for your the family and then, you know, taking responsibility for the community that you're in as well, like the, right. the tribe, if you will. There's uh, lots of biblical talk about... Yeah, so the the neighbor, the and even the the stranger that's passing through. Yeah, we're supposed to care for them. Yes. Yeah. But uh, personal responsibility in economics, you can't rely on somebody else to be your economic um, fortune. Right. And I think um, communism goes that way, and most of this country goes that way. And if somebody else has money, and you don't, then they're responsible for giving you some. And I've seen that over and over again in in the media and other places. And what we're talking about is personal responsibility for economics and in a family way and if a family's there but even in a family you'll have one child or two children that are really don't want to work they want to sleep all day so should they benefit from the work and hard work from other people because what happens is as humans we're sinners and we're going to take the easy way out one of the sayings my dad used to love saying when i was young taking the easy way makes men and rivers run crooked and uh so you know, you you got to think about that, even in a small structure as a family. But you can manage a family better than you can manage a city or a town or a country because you can, you know, ostracize that child and say, hey, if you're not going to work, you're not being part of this family. You got to go find someplace else to do something. But if you're not participating, and I think as somebody that's in the financial planning world, as my profession. And, you know, my father and I run a a company, Higher Ground Financial Group. I think we talked about it several weeks ago. But when you think about retirement, which is a topic we discuss a lot of times with our clients, how you view retirement is based a lot on your worldview of economics and how it should be. Because in this culture, in America, generally, the more liberal person will view retirement as when someone – can no longer work or maybe even doesn't no longer wants to work everyone else must have their things confiscated in order to give to that person to help them live for the rest of their life the more conservative person would say you should save up money a lot of money and then buy things that you need when you are not able to work and earn more money to buy those things you use your saved money to buy those things that's retirement Um, and I think a more biblical mindset is actually that retirement doesn't exist in the Bible I think a you know um, when you think of let's say long term care right the the, the liberal will say the state should pay for uh, Medicaid bed for people in nursing home the conservative will say you should save up enough money to pay for your care and I think a biblically minded person may come to the conclusion that 
the parents gave to the children and all of their money and all of their time and all of their resources and raised the children. And now when the parents are older, it's the children's responsibility to pay for and care for their parents. Yeah. And that's more of a biblical model. And again, that comes back to the family. It, 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 you, you stop working when you're not able to work, but retirement is not necessarily a biblical concept. Yeah, well, we're going to retire for the uh, for this show anyway. Uh, we'll be back next week, about 167 and a half hours from right now. That was easy for me to say, wasn't it? Follow us online at WFMD.com. Find me at householdoffaithinchrist.com. And you can connect with the ministry that the Razvies have, uh, uh, conqueredbylove.org is their website. Till next week, God bless.